Welcome to The Bull and the Bear, a money and markets podcast. We give you the advice you need to know to make investing safe and profitable. With The Bull and the Bear podcast, you'll get exclusive access to some of the top thinkers, analysts, advisors, and gurus in the investment business. And now for your hosts, Matt Clark and Charles Sizemore. And uh, hello, everyone. Welcome to uh, this episode of The Bull and the Bear. I'm, uh, I'm your host, Matt Clark with moneyandmarkets.com. As always, glad that you're with us uh, on this Friday or over the weekend, depending on when you're listening. Uh, as, as per usual on Fridays, uh, we have, I'll bring in uh, contributor Charles Sizemore here in just a little bit. Uh, Chief Investment Strategist Adam O'Dell is actually off today, taking a well, uh, well-deserved day off. So we'll, if Charles and I will run the ship, uh, and I think we'll do just fine. Uh, just uh, before we get started, I want to remind you that you can listen to The Bull and the Bear on several platforms. You can listen to us on Apple Podcasts. You can listen to us on Google Podcasts. We're also on Spotify. We're also on iHeartRadio. Uh, uh, we video each one of these so you can see our bright, smiling faces uh, every, every episode. You can check us out on YouTube. Just go to YouTube.com and type in The Bull and the Bear Podcast, and we'll, be, we'll see the little green button, and that'll be us. And uh, we're not uh, we're not hard to miss. If you do have any, uh, if you're whatever platform you listen to us on, whether it's video, audio, leave us a comment, leave us a review. Uh, if you do have any questions or maybe a particular topic that you'd like us to discuss uh, at any given time, you can email us at the bull and bear at moneyandmarkets.com. That's the bull and bear at moneyandmarkets.com, and we'd love to to get your feedback and uh, take any questions you might have. We uh, we like to opine about just about everything. So. Uh, yeah, there's some things we probably won't opine on, but, but there are a few before we get too, uh, too deep into it. I do real briefly, and I don't do this very often, but I feel like I should just, just because, and I may wind up regretting it later. And, and Charles can probably scold me on this when I bring him in, but, um, I, I'm going to take a bit of a victory, victory lap here on Wednesday in our podcast. Um, I talked at, at great length about Tesla and, and, you know, again, not, uh, just to kind of refresh, not to say that Tesla is a good company or a bad company. I just want to look at its stock just as a whole, not look at its company, not look at its CEO, not not do any fundamental things like that. I mean, I I could go ad nauseum about its management, about its, uh, you know, about all sorts of things. I just really want to look at the technicals and and and, and do a little analytical look in, in terms of Tesla, and and you know, it has it it rose, you know. Quite a bit. It, it rose. I think it's three hundred and some percent uh, in in a very short amount of time. I mean, it's been on a pretty meteoric rise. Um, and then on Wednesday, and I still believe it now. Um, I believe that Tesla could jump a little higher, which it actually did, and then it's going to pull back. Which coincidentally today it has um, as low as nine percent back um, earlier this morning. I think it's hovering at around a five or six percent drop uh, today. Um, really for no reason. One, one thing about Tesla is that it's a, it's a company that doesn't necessarily move with headlines. It just moves for the sake of movement. Um, not one thing tends to, you know, one piece of news or something like that doesn't really tend to move it very often. And I really don't even think investor, you know, Wall Street analysts play that big of a role in it because if you look at where most analysts have Tesla, they're still in the two to three, $400 range. So, I mean, I don't, I don't know that there's necessarily a lot of uh, you know, analyst uh, news that would uh, that would move Tesla. So the bottom line is this, is that I still think it's going to pull back. It's starting to pull back now. How long it lasts, I don't know. It could be a temporary pullback for a bit of a jump and then a full pullback, or this could be the start of a downward slide that we see um, going on for, for a bit of time. But I think it's going to happen. Tesla's probably one you want to stay away from. But 
that's not what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about today is as we've done, you know, in, in the, in the last few episodes, um, we tend to take certain sectors and, and pull out some stocks and, and, and just kind of riff about, about those stocks and what we think about them. And I took a little bit of a cue this week from Adam O'Dell, our chief investment strategist, um, his, his cycle nine alert, one of the services that, uh, that he offers. And, and he actually rated, uh, you know, one of the top sectors this particular week was industrials. And I thought that was kind of strange, not, not necessarily strange, but I thought it was is interesting more so because industrials have taken a pretty solid hit with the coronavirus. In fact, um, from its February high uh, to its March low, uh, the S&P Industrial Select uh, Sector uh, ETF, which is uh, XLI, for if you're looking at it, an exchange-traded fund, actually dropped more than 42% which is a, a, a significant drop and I think is an even deeper drop than the actual S&P. Um, but now since it has um, rebounded off those March lows, that, that ETF, not stocks in general, but that ETF, which actually tracks some of the biggest industrial related stocks, has actually risen 50%. So it's seen a very nice comeback. And I think that's why it is, it is peaked on, on Adam's radar and rightfully so. So I wanted to kind of, talk about a couple different stocks that are very well known in the industrial sector and, and just kind of do what we have been, just kind of riff on it and, and give our take. So I picked out three and they're all three companies that I would venture a guess that just about everyone knows. Um, if not, you may certainly know what they do or what they make, maybe not necessarily what their name is. So we'll give a little bit of background and, and I'm going to bring in uh, Money Markets contributor, Charles Sizemore, who's, who's joining us. First off, Charles, welcome. Thanks for uh, coming on Friday. Yeah, good to be here, and uh, and we're going to talk about it. And I want to—I'll start off right away with with the first stock. This is one that um, I, I have I have quite a bit of experience with this individual company, not because I worked for them or anything like that, but before um, I, I I came to be where I'm at now, I was the editor of a business publication, and part of my part of my beat or part of what I covered was aerospace. And it just happened that this company was right in our backyard. They had a, a, a repair plant, uh, which has now turned into a production line for, for one of its products um, right in our backyard. And it's an aerospace company, obviously, but it also works in uh, missiles, fire control systems, rotary aircraft, aka helicopters and, and rotary, rotary large-scale large planes as well as space systems. So uh, they do some work with NASA, they do some work with, I believe, SpaceX and, and Virgin Galactic and yada, yada, yada. They, they make certain components for that. Um, it does commercial aircraft work, but doesn't necessarily make commercial aircraft. They make components for commercial aircraft. They're mostly known for three things. And as soon as I name all three, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. I'm talking the, the, three, the three aircraft they are most noted for is the F-16, uh, the F-21 and the F-35 Lightning, all of which are fighter jets. Uh, the last two are the most recent, the F-16, probably the most widely used uh, fighter jet in the world. And in fact, it is the F-16 production line that moved to the backyard of where I used to be. So what I'm talking about, the company I'm talking about is Lockheed Martin Corporation, uh, trades under the New York Stock Exchange under LMT. Um, it is a big company. Uh, no question. In fact, all three of these companies, I'll just preface right now by saying all three of these companies are big. They're not small. Um, you know, they, they have very, they have significant market caps. Uh, so, so we'll just eliminate size as a factor to discuss right now because they're all big. So first I'm going to bring in Charles and, and I want him to kind of give me his take. I, I gave him this list of stocks yesterday on, on Thursday and, and gave him some time to prep and some time to, to 
get his house in order in terms of what he thought. So I'm going to turn it over and let Charles start things off and then I'll give you my take and then we'll go on to the next, so on and so forth. So Charles, um, tell me, give me your take on Lockheed Martin right now. You know, I, right. It's a good company, obviously, but uh, I'm not, not in love with the stock right now. What it really comes down to for me is uh, what's, what's going to be the catalyst that sends this one higher. They, uh, Lockheed Martin, it, its biggest uh, customer is the government. It's not like you and I are going to go buy an F-16. While it would be really fun to have one. Wouldn't that be cool? Not, it would, wouldn't it? That is not, uh, that's not a consumer item. You know, their, their customers tend to be the governments of the world, and that's a very uh, political process. Well, right now, it's not just our government. It's, it's every government in the world right now is figuring out how to plug holes from COVID. They're trying to figure out how to get money in, into their citizens' hands. They're, they're trying, you know, there's a lot of focus on just getting some sense of normalcy in the economy, right? And so while I, I guess a big military procurement bill could, in theory, come down the pipeline as a make-work project, I wouldn't really bet on that right now. I don't think um, upgrading the Air Force is really uh, a policy priority right now. Uh, particularly, you're looking at a, a presidential election cycle here. As of today, it looks like Joe Biden might win. Who knows? We still have a lot of time before November. But even if Trump wins, I don't know that there's a lot of uh, Republican administrations tend to be more friendly to, aero, to uh, aerospace and military spending, of course. I, I don't know that, that it's going to, to matter. I mean, Trump already had a huge military spending bill a couple of years ago. I, I don't really see room for another one right now. So the, the stock has been trading mostly sideways. Uh, of course, the uh, COVID price action notwithstanding, in the months before that it was, it was going mostly sideways. It's gone mostly sideways. Well, it, it blew up in March, of course. Everything blew up in March. Then it, it recovered in April, and it's been going mostly sideways since. I just don't see a compelling reason for it to break out of that anytime soon. And I'm going to disagree with you. Um, I, I like Lockheed Martin, and the reason why I like Lockheed Martin is because of its diversity. I think we spend a lot of time focusing on uh, you know, what their primary sector is, and that is, you know, jets, uh, making fighter jets for the Air Force for various others. One thing we have to understand is that there are already a couple contracts that have been approved by Congress. See, I, I guess to back up a little bit to, 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 to clue everyone in, before an American company can sell a piece of, of military hardware to another country, it has to be approved through a process through, through Congress and then through the White House. And, and the F-16 remains one of the most robust fighter jets in the world. And it's one that even developing countries are starting to take notice of and want to buy. Uh, the, the, the country of Bahrain, they're, they're one that, in fact, the Trump administration about two or three years ago, maybe even longer than that, actually approved Lockheed Martin selling F-16s to the country of Bahrain. Uh, India, uh, India has, has looked at the potential of uh, making the F-16 its primary fighter jet for its air force. And we all know there's been some tension between India and China and, and, and things like that. I, I think, you know, but, but the other thing is, is that Lockheed Martin is, is India a still buys MiGs, right? I, India's, India's air force actually, no. is mostly Russian made, isn't it? No. Uh, I think they're actually British. Um, okay. I believe, I believe, don't, don't hold me to that. But yeah, but I, they, their prime minister, uh, Modi, I believe is his last name. Uh, he, he has this aggressive program called make in India and it's basically to encourage, uh, Indian companies to buy from each other, which obviously makes sense. So what Lockheed Martin had proposed to do was to open a plant 
in India, staffed by Indians to build the F-16 in India. And I think that's become, I'm not sure exactly where that process stands right now, but it's a very aggressive thing. And it's one thing that I think you're going to see a lot of other industrial companies try to do to try to quell this nationalism type approach that you see, uh, or this reversal of globalization um, that you see in order to kind of stem the tide. Regardless, um, you know, Lockheed Martin does a very robust part of its business in terms of helicopters. Um, I believe it's Sikorsky that they, uh, that they own and operate. Uh, they, they also, their missile defense systems are also very strong. I, I, overall, I like Lockheed Martin's balance sheet. Um, and, and, and even during times most recently, and I, I don't want to talk too long about it, but most recently they did lose out to, uh, other aerospace partnerships to build the new fighter jet trainer for the United States military. They did lose out on that contract and it was going to be billions of dollars. I mean, massive. We're talking about the jet. The, the, the computer systems, the whole works, and it was going to be a massive contract. Lockheed Martin actually lost out on it. Despite that, their stock still managed to rise. So I, I think this is a very resilient stock. Uh, I don't know that it's necessarily one that you want for short-term play. Um, I think it's one that is more of a buy and hold, perhaps. Um, but I, I think it's a strong stock to own. Um, just to kind of give a little more context, uh, in Adam's uh, proprietary stock rating system, uh, Lockheed Martin ranks an 88 overall, meaning that only 12% of other all other stocks rated are higher. So it is in the 88th percentile in terms of strength. Um, it rates above a 90 in both quality and growth, and it ranks an 87 in volatility, and that's good. So you know the higher the number, the better. Uh, so in at least three of his six metrics, uh, Lockheed Martin ranks extremely high, ranks in the top 13% of any company on the stock market. So I remain pretty bullish on, on Lockheed Martin, but not as one that you want to turn around and take quick profits on, one that you probably want to buy and hold for a little bit longer strategy. So I, I, that, that to me is, is the smart play for Lockheed Martin. Moving on to our second company. This is a company that I, I'll just, the, the first five words I write will tell you exactly what this company, uh, I wrote will tell you exactly what this company is. It provides waste management and environmental services, residential com uh, commercial customers across North America. Um, you probably know it because you see it's green trucks rolling around everywhere. Um, it does operate landfills. It also operates gas to energy facilities. And what this basically does is it captures the methane gas that is created in landfills by the massive amounts of trash that are stored there and converts that to energy, which is then sold on power grid. Um, companies have just started doing this and this company is one of, uh, one of the leaders in, in doing it. And the company I'm talking about is waste management. It trades under the New York Stock Exchange under WM. Uh, Charles, give me uh, give me your take on waste management. Yeah, so I would I'm mildly bullish on it. I think it's a fantastic company. It's not particularly cheap right now, but really nothing in this market is. So I would say it's um, a relatively fairly priced stock within the context of a expensive market. Now, longer term, I would say there is still, you know, the, the longer term thesis on waste management hasn't really changed. Um, it, it makes sense for a lot of municipalities to outsource waste collection. Why, why wouldn't you? If, if, a private, if the private sector can do it more efficiently, what, why, would you want to well, why would you want to do that in-house? If you can, you know, do it more efficiently, keep your tax bill lower, keep your, 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 your voters happy, why, why would you not do that, right? Um, I would say um, before you know, all hell broke loose with, with, with COVID, the, uh, 
the stock wasn't wasn't really trending higher. It'd been going sort of flat for a while. It sort of popped in January when when everything popped higher and then rolled over and died. Since then, it's been recovering really well. I would say if we if we get any sort of rotation out of tech and into more kind of gritty stocks, this one might benefit from that. I would say longer term, um, yeah, the the damage that we've seen from COVID to to, to to local economies is is not going away anytime soon. For every little small mom and pop business that goes that goes out, that's taxes not getting paid. For every landlord that doesn't, you know, that has seen the value of their properties impaired because some of their tenants are broke, that that's property tax that won't be collected. There's going to be a big hole in you know, city, state, local government, uh, you know, budgets for, for a long time. If you think back to 2008, it took years for the states that were in the you know the crosshairs there, you know, Florida, Nevada. Uh, even, you know, Arizona, California, the, the states that really got hit hard in the 2008 meltdown, the housing crash, it took them years to recover. So I, I don't see how this crisis is going to be too different. So I would say that longer term uh, tailwind, if you will, of, of, comp of, of, of local governments looking to save money, that, that should benefit waste management over the long haul. I would, I would not be in love with it at current prices. I would say maybe wait for a dip. But overall, I'd say, yeah, I mean, this is a stock that if, if I had it in my portfolio, I would certainly not be in a hurry to sell it. And I, and I agree. I, I, I have some concerns about waste management. Uh, I, I'm concerned with its price, but I guess in terms of the industry average, it's, it's in line. I mean, it's up in some areas. Uh, you know, it, it's, got, it's got a higher price to sales ratio than, than the rest of the, of the, of the, uh, the waste collection industry or subsector, if you will. Um, it's got a little bit higher price to cash flow, but it does have a lower price to earnings. It does have, uh, you know, a, a little bit higher price to book. But again, we're in, a, we're in the state of a market now where everything appears to be overpriced. So I'm kind of with you. I, if you don't own it, I, I would probably wait for a downturn um, to, to see if you can get in at a much better price. I think buying now would maybe realize some gain, but not very much. Um, if you already own it, I, I, you know, I'd sit on it. I, I think it would be a buy and hold type of a type of a stock to have. It's, it, you know, it's a, it's a huge company. It doesn't have a lot of momentum on its side right now. Um, its value is iffy, um, but, but it is, it is a good quality stock and it's not really all that volatile. Um, and, and, and Adam's system, uh, waste management rates of 58 overall. So it's fairly mid range in terms of uh, the 6,000 plus stocks that, that are, that, that are looked at. But uh, yeah, I, probably not a buy for me. Um, if you own it, fine. Uh, buy it on a dip, perhaps. But I, I think yeah, I, I, it's expensive, it, and and the value doesn't isn't really justified. So that's kind of where I. Where end I'm of at. the day, they collect the garbage. They're they're not reinventing the wheel. You know, they're not. Uh, <laughs> they're yeah, not really diversified. They're, I mean, <laughs> well, there there are stocks that you can justify a huge premium on if their profit margins are just huge you know something like a tech company with some software company with an effective uh, you know de facto monopoly with just massive margins yeah okay you can justify a premium stock valuation for that the garbage man probably not you know it's a good nah, company but it is. there is it's, yeah it, there's a price at which it, it's 
just not that attractive anymore. Yeah, don't don't yeah, don't don't be misunderstood. Don't 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 let us be misunderstood here. We're not talking about the quality of the company. We're just talking about the stock in general. These are these are all good companies. We're not trying to say they're good or bad. We're just talking about the stock themselves. And just to give you a little bit of insight on the margins, uh, gross margin for waste management thirty nine percent. The net margin only ten percent, and the operating margin is only seventeen percent. All three of those, however, well above the industry average for waste collectors. But for a not, gritty for a gritty company like that, those are fantastic margins. I might yeah, add, but exactly. they're not they're not like tech margins. Obviously. No, 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 no. And and the other, the other thing is is the 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 subsector that I'm comparing this with is, is is general waste collection, and it's not a very big sector. So it's no. not as if we're you know you've got waste management you know up here, and then you have a bank of stocks that are way down here in terms of their value and their size. So it's not necessarily, I mean, it's apples to apples to a slight degree, but not to, to, a, to a, a degree that would make those margins just seem overly impressive. So, okay, moving on to our third and final stock today. This one I was a little hesitant with in terms of whether I should put it on the list, only because I have a pretty good idea where everyone's take would be on it. But I think it's worthy of having a conversation. This is another aircraft company um, that specializes in commercial aircraft. It does work on military aircraft. In fact, its partnership did win the uh, contract for the TX trainer fighter that Lockheed Martin did not get. Uh, they were in a partnership with, uh, I want to say Saab, but I, you know, a Swedish company, but I'm not sure if that's right or not. Uh, they do missile defense systems. They work in, in space flight and launch. They, they've got a pretty wide ranging, uh, um, you know, wide ranging portfolio in terms of what they provide. However, and this is, there's always a but, right? Um, this company has been in the headlines a lot since about September of last year <laughs> and not for a good reason at all. Um, it, it, and, and I'll tell you right now that, that the company I'm talking about is Boeing, Boeing company, and it is uh, New York Stock Exchange BA. Um, the reason they've been in the headlines is their best-selling 737 MAX aircraft was grounded. Uh, due to two uh, two very tragic incidents that happened, I think one in Malaysia and one in Africa, I believe, um, very tragic. And it was due to some guidance systems and, and some automatic autopilot systems that that had failed. They've been under very tight scrutiny, uh, but basically they've had to halt production, not just because of COVID, but because their 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 most popular jet has been grounded. Um, they also do the 777, which is actually made in South Carolina, but they've also halted production on that as well. Uh, they do do work in the military sector. They uh, did do the B-1B bomber, which was the supposedly the predecessor to the B-52. Didn't quite take off, no pun intended, the way, that, the way it should have. Uh, they did do build the Chinook line of helicopters, which is very popular with both uh, the Army and the Marines. And they uh, also do the F-A-18 fighter jet, which is also a very popular fighter jet, mostly with the Navy and the Marines, the uh, F-A-18 Super Hornet and variations thereof. Uh, so we're talking about Boeing. Uh, and like I said, I, I, I kind of already know where this conversation is going to go, but I think it's an interesting conversation to have anyway. And Charles, um, riff on Boeing for me. <laughs> so fun fact, there was a, a recent Supreme Court case that found that if a financial advisor recommends Boeing to you, you are within your legal rights to pull out your handgun and shoot them. <laughs> um, that's actually not true. But That's uh, not true uh, at all. But <laughs> Please don't shoot a financial advisor and blame me. But uh, I mean, if you want to shoot them, shoot them. Just don't blame me. I, I'm just, you know. Wow. Uh, I, anyway, um, 
Yes, uh, Boeing is is a mess. Uh, it, it's Boeing will not be allowed to fail. I, I can say with confidence that the Boeing company will exist next year, ten years, probably a hundred years from now because it's too important to be allowed to fail. But that doesn't mean that you should be in a hurry to buy it. And the reason I say that is the company can still exist and and, and go bankrupt. Yeah, you can go bankrupt and have to reorganize via Chapter Eleven. Uh, that happens all the time, right? I'm not saying Boeing will go bankrupt, but I think it's not improbable that it could really come under distress. The, the passenger airline industry is not recovering anytime soon. Um, it's, it would have been under stress anyway, even, uh, let's just imagine we were having a garden variety recession, right? That alone would have, would have, would have you know put a lot of orders uh, would have cut a lot of orders it would have would have made life very difficult for Boeing. You add to that the fact that th this is not a garden variety recession it's a much deeper one, but beyond that, you do have all the social distancing issues and fires fears everything else uh, beyond that even again, business travel may never recover to, to pre covid levels. I think pleasure travel will it, it may take a while, but you know, right now people are used to just driving or not taking trips, eventually they're going to get that urge to travel. The industry is going to rebuild itself and people are still going to want to take those trips to the Caribbean or Europe or whatever. I mean, I, I pleasure travel will recover. It will take a while, but it will recover. I, I don't, I don't know that business travel ever will. You know, now that people have gotten used to having zoom meetings, have gotten used to just picking up the phone that, uh, you know, they sign things via DocuSign that, face-to-face -face meeting is not as important as it used to be. There will always be some face-to-face -face meetings. Some meetings are important enough to get on a plane for, of course, but that marginal business meeting that may, you know, if we can handle this on Zoom, let's just handle this on Zoom. We don't really need to go get on a plane and go see somebody and spend hundreds or thousands of dollars in transport and hotel and everything else. So I think longer term, demand for their product is just going to be less. When you add to that, they were already having problems before due to the, uh, you know, the, 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 the plane malfunction issues. I just wouldn't touch it right now. I mean, it, it's one of those that, sure, if it gets cheap enough it, it, and it doesn't go bankrupt, then it'll be the buy of a lifetime, fine. But it's, it's not a game I want to play right now. Yeah, I, I hate to use the reference to the, the the financial crisis movie "Too Big to Fail," but I, you know, I agree. I think Boeing is one of those companies that's it, it is too it's too big to fail, and, and I don't think you're going it, it and it won't. Um, but again, it, it it's just there's just so many issues, and if you just well, they about share dilution, but you think about it, like, like let's say they don't outright fail, but they need capital, and you know they've already done what they're going to do in the bond market. They've, you know, lenders aren't willing to extend credit at reasonable, reasonable rates. What are they going to do? They'll issue new stock, which dilutes the shareholders. Right. What if uncle Sam decides, well, Boeing's too important to let fail, but we're just going to take it over. You know, and they take a government ownership stake in it. Uh, at that point, the, the individual private shareholders get, get, you know, squeezed out. So yeah, I, I that's, that's it. At a discount, I would imagine. I, I would imagine. I, I don't see the I don't see the government paying full price for for whatever they want to take in ownership of Boeing, and I don't see if if Boeing's financial situation gets worse, I don't see them really arguing about that. So, you know, technically, you know, the the return ons are are awful at this point. Um, you know, its operating margin is in the negative. 
you know, its ratios are eh, very meh, uh, if that. Um, I, I look at this and I see way too many red and not near enough black in terms of, of, it, of just the financial information that I look at. Way too much red. And that in and of itself is enough for me to say, whoa, probably not. Now, again, I think at some point, I mean, this stock is going to continue to fall. Um, yeah, I know they're, they're pushing ahead for the 737 MAX to get back on track. They, they're working closely with the FAA. Um, they've already done some test flights. They're trying to get things back. Um, but again, all that's fine and good, but if there's nobody around. Yeah, if no one's flying, it, if, if no one's flying, flying and, and no, one's buying, no, no one's buying new jets, then okay, great. You certified a plane that no one's going to buy. Not because, and, and with it's past issues, not even withstanding. Just for the sole fact that no one's flying. I mean, you have travel, you have planes that are flying at, you know, 20, 30, maybe 50%, depending on, you know, the route. Uh, some even less than that. Well, let's, let's also say, let's, let's say that you are the CEO of American Airlines. Like that's, you've just gotten promoted. You're now running American Airlines. Would you be in a hurry? And let's say, let's just forget that American's having problems right now. Let's just, right. let's say they're actually in the market for new jets. I'm looking at Airbus. I, I, that, that's just it. <laughs> look at Airbus. I'm, I mean, it's I'm like, honestly I, I, looking at Airbus. Even if the 737 Max is fine and has been tested, are you going to be the guy that walks out on a limb to, to test it out? Or are you going to be like, right. no, I'm just going to go buy an Airbus? And, and American Airlines has no need for a 737, Dream, a 777 Dreamliner. They don't need a plane that big. I mean, they, they, might, they have a, some international routes that it might work for, but not necessarily enough to justify expending and buying five or six of them. And so, yeah, I'm looking at Airbus. Really, sure. I mean, I, that's the, and I, I, not not because because you have to understand. While it's easy to sit here and say yes, we you know American companies should buy American. Okay, that's all fine and good, and I get that, and I don't disagree with that. However, if it doesn't make practical business sense to do so, then they're not going to do it. Well, beyond that, are you are you going to risk lawsuit? Are you going to be the first guy to go out on a limb and buy that seven thirty seven max and then? Oh, it actually wasn't fixed. Right. Or let's say the thing crashes. Let's say you buy one of those planes and it crashes for a completely unrelated reason. Yeah, you're still getting sued. <laughs> the PR, the PR is a nightmare. It's a nightmare. So and, and it, you're you're not gonna you're not gonna see a Delta, Southwest, American, uh, United. They're, they're not going to take a leap on Boeing right now. If any, if anyone does, it's not a full price. No, not a full price. No, yeah, yeah. I, you know, maybe Boeing can sell these planes at some sort of deep, deep, deep discount in order to in order and to even, move the metal, so to speak. But even then, there's a lot of risk. I think if they if if Boeing is going to grow past this, they cannot look at the U.S. market. They are going to have to look at Asia. They're going to have to look at China Airways. They're going to have to look at um, you know Emirates. They're going to have to look at Qantas. They're going to have to look at 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 overseas carriers to try to get them out of this jam. Uh, because the, other, the only other thing they can do is, is completely design a new jet from the ground up that is just unbelievable. That people can, that is either so cheap and so reliable that you know, airlines can't not buy it, or is just so luxurious that these large spending you know, carriers like Emirates, um, ha they have to have it. And I don't know that that kind of R&D is necessarily in Boeing's long-range financial plan right now, considering how their finances are kind of a mess. So I, the, Boeing is a no. Uh, if you own it, I, you know, good luck, I guess. I mean, I don't know that I would necessarily sell it. Um, 
But then again, I'm not sure that it's reached its bottom. So it might be a good time to maybe uh, tranche your shares out a little bit, maybe sell a third of your position or half of your position, keep the other half, depending. Um, the, the Boeing stock rates a three overall in, uh, in, in Adam's stock rating system. That means a three. That, a three. That means wow. 97% of all other companies, all 6,500 and I don't know how many stocks, actually rate higher than Boeing. Uh, it's Boeing's highest ratings metric-wise come in value, where it scores a 50, and quality, where it rates a 32. Um, and you have to look at this as you know percentages from zero to 100. The lowest number being the worst, the highest number being obviously the best. Uh, it is very low in growth. It is very low in volatility, which means it is a very volatile stock. And of course, its size is massive. It doesn't even score a one in size because it's so big. So, um, you know, it's a big risk with Boeing and not one that I'm willing to take. And it sounds like Charles isn't willing to take it either. So, so to recap, uh, before we cut everyone loose for the weekend, Lockheed Martin, I'm a yes. Charles is a meh, maybe, I guess. Waste management, I think Charles is a kind of a uh, yeah, maybe. I'm a no. Uh, and Boeing, I think, is a uniform across the board. Nah, not today. So uh, that, that, that's kind of how we, we look at the industrial side of things. Uh, you know, again, if you're looking to invest, do your homework, man. Do your research. Let us do your research for you. Uh, you know, we, we, we've come through these numbers. Charles has done his research. I've done mine. Uh, but as you can see, you know, the opinions can vary a little bit based on uh, either previous knowledge or how we look at the data. But at the end of the day, make your decision. Um, you know, if you want to invest in Lockheed Martin, who, who do you, who do you think has the right argument? Does Charles have it because there's not much of a market left for them to grow? Or do I have it because I think that their secondary sectors can, um, expand and, and push their growth even farther? Uh, you know, that's, that's a question to, to add. It's, it's a compelling argument to look at from both sides. So, um, you know, that, that's, that's kind of a look there. Uh, next week, we'll be back on Wednesday, um, and then not Friday, but possibly Thursday. Uh, we may be recording a little early because I'm actually going to take a day off myself. So uh, if I don't, then uh, my wife will probably shoot me. So I have that to look forward to. Um, otherwise, uh, you know, make sure you check out moneymarkets.com. We've got uh, information, uh, investment information going up every day. Uh, Charles is on there. I'm on there. Uh, you know, you can read we would read what we write and look at our research, look at our analysis of things. And, and, uh, you know, we're here to do the work for you. We're, we're here to help you. Um, we're not here to, you know, take a cut of your, uh, of your, of your profits or anything like that. That's not what we're here for. We're here basically just to say, here, take our research and, and, and make your decision and, and, and let us help you, um, navigate these interesting waters that are called the stock market. So, um, a reminder that, uh, again, you can listen to uh, the bull and the bear podcast on Apple podcasts, Google podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, a wealth of other podcast syndicators out there. We're also on YouTube. We do video this, uh, just go to youtube.com, type in the bull and the bear podcast, and you'll find us. You'll see all the other videos that we do, um, as well. So make sure you, uh, you go and you check that out. Uh, leave us a comment, leave us a review. If you have a question or anything like that, maybe a topic you'd like us to address, email us at thebullandbear at moneyandmarkets.com. I'll put the uh, email address right down here so you can see it. Um, but email us, let us know if there's maybe a particular stock you'd like us to, uh, to look at. Um, hey, Charles, I'd like to know what your take is on XYZ. And then by all means, we'll do that. And we'd love to, we'd love to get the kind of feedback. But uh, until, until next time, for Charles Sizemore, contributor for Money and Markets, I'm Matt Clark, your host for uh, The Bull and the Bear. Certainly glad you're with us. Hope everyone has a great, uh, safe weekend. And until next time, everybody, safe trading.
You've been listening to The Bull and the Bear, a Money and Markets podcast. Tune in each week to hear insights on how to make investing safe and profitable for you. 